0: Hello and welcome to Pod's Own Country, the politics podcast from the Yorkshire Post. My name is Caitlin Doherty and I am your Westminster correspondent. This week I have spoken to former Mayor of South Yorkshire and Barnsley MP Dan Jarvis. Dan had an awful lot to say about his time as Mayor and where he sees his future as an MP in the Labour Party. It's quite an interesting chat. Um, We spoke when he had only not been mayor for around 36 hours, it was the Wednesday morning after his tenure had come to an end on the Monday lunchtime and it was quite the reflection given the local election results that had come just that previous Thursday. Now, as we know, um, the the local election results were a bit of a mixed bag. Labour did very well in parts of the South and London. However, their gains were not quite as strong in areas of the north of England and Midlands. However, the Conservative vote also collapsed in a number of areas, mainly the southeast and southwest and also an area of Yorkshire. They obviously lost Hull Council. So it's quite an interesting chat and I hope you enjoy what he has to say. I will be back as soon as I can with another episode for you. Enjoy. It's 36 hours post-mayor, probably a bit too early to do it, but any, how, how are you reflecting on it? Well, how, do you, how do you feel about your, your time as mayor?
1: Proud of what we achieved.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Incredibly difficult circumstances, so I, I've said it once or twice before, I was the only mayor. Who inherited a situation where the powers the money wasn't in place. All of the others and my successor Oliver have all turned up and it's all been there done for them. I'm the only one who's had to fight like mad to get it agreed and to put it in place. So it was quite a sticky wicket to bat on at times but despite the, the particular issues we had with devolution in South Yorkshire Despite the massive challenge of dealing with a pandemic, I produced a manifesto four years ago, I could never have imagined the scale of challenge we'd have to face with COVID. Despite all of those things, the limited resources, the complexities of working with with different local authorities, also with a a national government who too often weren't on our side, I'm really proud of the progress that has been made. and proud that we've laid very sound foundations for the next mayor to really hopefully propel the region forward.
0: Mm-hmm. And if, by the sounds of it, that was, you feel like you've put in an awful lot of legwork to sort of bring it up to the position that it's in now, why step down? I, I think it was quite a surprise to some people that you did you chose not to go for a second term when a number of mayors across the northern midlands have.
1: A lot of people have asked me that. A lot of people have been surprised that I didn't remain in government. I've been the only Labour MP in government. Every day I've been making decisions, I've been getting things done. It's been difficult, but it's been immensely rewarding. And I've stepped away from that to be a backbench MP in Parliament where you've got no authority in terms of of making decisions. Why have I done that? Partly because that's what I said I was going to do. I always said it wasn't a long-term arrangement to do both of those things. What I did was unconventional and controversial. There were people in my own party who didn't want me to do it and tried to stop me doing it but it was the right thing to do under the particular circumstances that we faced. But I always said it wasn't a long-term arrangement and I meant it. The the other thing just to be really honest about it, I'm the MP for Barnsley Central. I became the MP 11 years ago at an extraordinarily difficult time for me. I just lost, lost my wife to cancer I was in the process of, of, of thinking about what I was going to do for the future. The people of Barnsley Central took me to their heart. They voted for me. They gave me a chance to serve them. And there is, at my end, a fierce bond of loyalty to my constituents in Barnsley Central. Politicians, they come and they go. And it is my constituents' absolute right to get rid of me. If that's what they want to do, they can vote me out. That is their privilege, and that is their absolutely absolute right. But I'm not going to walk away from them. I have a fierce bond of loyalty to the town of Barnsley and to my constituents. So faced with a choice of doing one or the other, I chose sticking with my, my constituents. And that was the right thing to do, I think.
0: That sort of leads me quite nicely into what my next question was going to be. Maybe six months ago you said you were going to step down late, late last year, early this year. I can't quite remember when it was. Did you feel like you were coming to a crossroads where it either had to be parliament or the mayoralty? Because you said this was a short-term thing, but I'd say generally the mayoralties have started to get a bit more attention over, over the last few years. You know, Andy Burnham, Trace Braben, yourself, Ben Houchard, their political names that people know now, Did was being a mayor a bigger job than being an MP? Is being an MP a bigger job than being a mayor? Or were they starting to get to the point where they were butting heads of commitment
1: and your time? Being a mayor is, is a really big job, I mean the responsibilities invested in mayors are, are very considerable and you have this huge and amazing opportunity to, to make a real difference mm-hmm. at, at a regional level. That, that is a big life commitment. Truth of the matter is, and I'm clearly uh, not expecting uh, any sympathy, you don't come into politics for that, but the past four years have, have been very demanding. I've had to personally commit a huge amount to doing those two jobs. I always knew that that was going to be the case, it was going to be hard work. I mean people have criticized me for it, I just gently point out to them that of course ministers are also members of parliament. The Prime Minister is also a constituency member of parliament. So if these things are doable provided you're committed and you work hard and you've got a good team of people to support you. I gave notice of my decision earlier than perhaps could have been normally expected. I did that Very deliberately because I thought it was the responsible and the right thing to do to give potential candidates the opportunity to think about whether they wanted to step forward because having invested four years of my life blood sweat toil and tears has gone into the South Yorkshire mayoralty I I wanted an outstanding candidate to emerge I wanted someone seriously good to come forward and to take on the responsibility and and the mantle because I want on there be successful. You know, I want the institution to do well. I want the region to prosper. I want the work and the, the, the investment that has already gone over, over the past four years to, to, to bear fruit. And that's why I thought it was the right thing to do, to be straightforward about what my intentions were in a way that allowed other people to think about whether they wanted to, to step forward. The other dynamic about it, and again, let me, let me be very honest about it, Mayors have got an incredibly important role to play. But what I've learned over the past four years, although I guess I knew this already, was in the end, the most important thing is who's in government nationally. And the decisions that are taken in Whitehall and Westminster by the Prime Minister and by senior members of the Cabinet, that shapes the whole playing field and mayors then kind of operate on on that playing field. And, And what I want to do is make sure that I roll up my sleeves and do everything I possibly can at this particular moment to make sure that we get a Labour government because I think that's what we need in South Yorkshire. I think that's what the North and and the whole country needs is a radical reforming Labour government. And in the end, I took the view that the contribution I could make to securing that would be more effective here in Parliament than, than, than staying in South Yorkshire as the Mayor. But that is not to say anything other and these are really big and important jobs. I've chaired the M10, so I've chaired the cross-party grouping of the mayors. You know, collectively the metro mayors represent more than 20 million people, it's about a third of the UK economy. These are incredibly important people in our political landscape and, and they don't actually get the attention that they deserve. You know, If you're the first minister in Wales or Scotland there's an architecture and a framework in place that, that, that enables you to have that kind of regular contact with national government. That's not yet in place for the mayor. So I think the government needs to do much more about establishing a closer working relationship with the mayors, because there will be no levelling up without the mayors. So what I want to see is a much greater appreciation from national government of the opportunities of devolution, a much greater understanding of the role the mayors can and will play in the future. And I think without that, there, there will be no le- levelling up particularly for the north of England.
0: Mm. Given what you just said about the importance of national government shaping the whole playing field there, would it be fair to say that you feel you are more influential as an MP than as a mayor? I
1: I don't think it would be fair. I haven't made some kind of Michael Heseltine-style calculated decision. There isn't some kind of grand plan that I was going to do this and then I was going to do that and then I'm going to do this, that and the other. You know... I know that I'm not suggesting that you are, but I know that some people are quite cynical about polit- politicians' motivation. I, I, I'm in this because I, I want to serve, I want to make a contribution, I want to do the best that I can for my constituents and for my constituency and, and and for our region. I've been uniquely privileged to do that for four years. It's been hard work. I'm proud of what we've achieved. We've transformed the political landscape in South Yorkshire for the better, but. I've done it under the most difficult circumstances that any mayor could have ever expected. So I have to make a judgement about where I can make a contribution over the next period of time and the judgement I made was that I wanted to keep serving my constituents in Barnsley and I wanted to be part of the fight in this place to secure that that reforming Labour government. So in the end, that that was the view that I took and it was also because you know I was very clear about the fact it wasn't a long-term arrangement and I think people are cynical about politicians and about them sticking to their word and I said it was a, it was not a long-term arrangement and I meant it and I've honoured that commitment. Have
0: you got your eye on the
1: shadow cabinet role? I haven't got my eye on a shadow cabinet role but I hope at some point there will be the opportunity to go back onto the front bench. So i served on the front bench previously um, and I think if you're here in opposition I think you've got a duty, responsibility to step forward um, and do what you're asked to do. So ultimately, you know, decisions about the front bench are are with the, the leader of the party, so it's a matter for him. But if he phones me up and says, um, do I want to serve on the front bench, the answer would definitely be yes. Is there a
0: particular brief that you would want?
1: There isn't, no. And I think it's always a little bit kind of undignified of people yeah. to start kind of sizing up the furniture and, uh, and measure, measuring the curtains for, for a particular brief. Because I think we've got a particularly strong Shadow Cabinet, our Shadow Cabinet has got some big hitters now, some really talented people getting on with with their particular briefs. So I I don't have any particular agenda, um, there's nothing that I've got my eye on, but I'm not here to be chairing an all-party parliamentary group. Mm -hmm. I've given up a big role to come back into Parliament and I want to make a big contribution. I think that I've got an experience from being the Mayor, and an experience from the life that I led before coming into politics and at this particular moment in time given all the pressures on the country given the challenges that we face whether that's around cost of living whether that is around the international situation in Ukraine mm. I want to be a part of that debate and I want to make a contribution so I've not given it all up just to come back and sort of shuffle about and you know potter about in the library and, and turn up to the all-party parliamentary groups I've come back because I want to make a difference. I want to drive this place further and forward. I, I want to be um, someone who can speak up, not just for my constituents, but for the wider region and for the north uh, and deploy the things that I've learned over the past four years. There's only two of us in this place. There are two of us who've been a mayor. I'm one of them. Do you know who the other one is?
0: Prime Minister. The
1: Prime Minister, yeah. So, so that, that is a, a skill set and an experience that is unique on my side and um, pretty unique in the context of this place. So, so that's the contribution that I want to make, and I'll be, I'll be working as hard as I possibly can to make sure that I do that.
0: In perhaps one final question on the parliamentary side of things, and you'll excuse me if my expression is maybe somewhat off. Um, but when I, when I've watched you in the House of Commons during your mayoralty, I have to say sometimes you, I've thought you've come at things with far more of a you've been quite collaborative with government, especially when it comes to levelling up. When, like, the day the levelling up white paper was released, I seem to remember that, unsurprisingly, you know, you had loads of MPs standing up on the labour benches saying, you know, this is not enough, this is, we need more, we need, etc. etc. You stood up, and if I remember correctly, the first thing you did was welcome it. And you weren't completely praising of it, mm. but there was almost first a thank you to the government for working with us on this and bringing this idea forward. Do you think that sort of collaborative approach is something that you had to do as a mayor, but now you maybe won't do as a senior opposition backbench MP? Or how, how do you see those roles sort of shifting?
1: Well, I think that's a, a fascinating conundrum. The truth of the matter is every single day I've wrestled with how to, to play being the mayor. You know, do I go on the news and say that the Prime Minister should resign or this Cabinet Minister should resign? Knowing that I might have to speak to them a couple of hours later and trying to yeah. secure investment, so I think by instinct uh, and maybe it's because of my background, I, I, I'm a team player. I also live in the real world. The reality is we've got a conservative government, and as a Labour mayor, I simply have no choice. But I have to try and work with the government to secure the best possible deal um, from them. And, and you know, when we got into, you know, there was lots of comparisons between you know my great friend Andy Burnham and myself. Uh, when we were having the negotiations um, over the tiering arrangements. Al- although I didn't necessarily capture the headlines, I secured a very good deal for South Yorkshire as a result of the negotiations. Um, and, and my approach, where I've been able to be, has been collaborative, that's why. You know, I chaired the M10 group to try and bring people together. Because in the end, what do the public expect? They don't expect me to be sort of shouting about how useless the government are the whole time. They expect me to be a proper grown-up, to hold the government to account and to challenge them where it's appropriate to do so, but also at the same time to advocate for South Yorkshire to try and secure the best possible deal. Now, some people have criticised me for being a Mayor and an MP. The truth of the matter is it provided a strategic advantage for South Yorkshire mm. because it meant that as the Mayor, I was in this place. I had all sorts of access and conversations with senior ministers that I otherwise would wouldn't have had, and let's be honest about it, the other mayors were quite envious of. Now, we've moved on from that, and and South Yorkshire doesn't have that strategic advantage of being able to reach into this place in quite the way that it did. I think people here know me well enough to know that where I feel I can work sensibly with the government, whether that is around defence and national security, and there's been a lot of collaboration Mm -hmm. on the issue of Ukraine, then I will do so but equally and particularly when it comes to levelling up, I don't think that the government are doing anything near enough to actually deliver the kind of transformative change that I want to see. So I think you you will see from me on occasion support where I feel that I can offer it, but also criticism and the holding to account where I think that the government are falling short. And I think that that is the responsible balance that a grown up um, parliamentarian living in the real world seeks to strike.
0: It's interesting you say you know doesn't the south yorkshire majority doesn't necessarily have that connection anymore um on is the new mayor of south yorkshire and um, he's spoken about previously how he decided not to stand um for a seat as an mp um during the previous uh labor leadership how how do you feel about him uh him being mayor? what are you excited about what how do you feel like the program's going to go forward uh,
1: i think Oliver's got a great opportunity now to build on the work that we've done over the past four years. I mean I I left him a a, a note um, with with a a box of of Yorkshire tea on his desk uh, and I talked about some of the challenges that he will face but also some of the opportunities. I've created a renewal fund of half a billion pounds. You know when I turned up there wasn't even a salary for the Mayor, There, there was no money. There is now hundreds of millions of pounds. That I've secured in my four years I secured 1.92 billion pounds of investment for South Yorkshire his challenge is to make sure that he uses that money wisely there isn't a conversation now about a kind of a a lack of lack of money in the short term of course the the, new mayor will want more money over over time but there is a, a significant amount of resource that the mayor and the combined authority now have to deploy whether that's investing in our transport infrastructure, whether that's investing in our people through the skills agenda, whatever it is the new mayor wants to do, there is resource available to him to do that. So he's in a much stronger position uh, than, than I am. So he knows that I, I will be his 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 biggest cheerleader in this place. He knows that he can call me twenty four seven, and I will do everything that I can to help him. And I think. You know, I, I, I am comfortable that I've taken the right decision to step aside and to let somebody else come forward. I'm personally delighted that it's him because I think that he's ambitious for our region and I think he's got the basis of a, a, a big, bold vision for South Yorkshire. And I think that that is what our region deserves. And I wish him every success. I mean, I think he's, he's, um, he's sensible enough to know that it's never going to be easy. You know, when you're dealing with local government, when you're dealing with um, a national government of a different political colour to yourself, none of these things come easily. You know, being a mayor is is hard graft every single day. There are knockbacks, there are things that are infuriating, there are decisions that are taken in national government. Um, that You feel very badly let down and I experienced that. The decision around the, the, the lack of funding for our buses, mm-hmm. I think is absolutely outrageous. Oliver's challenge is to now kind of do it in his own way, to own the brief, to work with the local authority leaders um, across the region and other stakeholders, and then to look up to national government and establish those relationships. and I am confident that he will do that incredibly well.
0: Mm. Oliver's mandate was um, quite strong in the end. You know, the results weren't. The Conservative candidate came in second place, but I wouldn't say the results were particularly. Close, and that's uh, it. Continues the pattern of you know, that Labour people will elect Labour mayors in the north, but maybe they're still not electing Labour MPs, or they're certainly not switching to Labour in local elections in the same way that people are in the south and southeast. Does Labour have a northern problem, and does Labour does Labour still have a northern problem, and does Labour have the problem of only being able to elect?
1: No, I don't think so. I think what, what Labour has is, is, is a northern challenge. Uh, and the challenge is around certainly regaining those seats that we lost. And there are there some reasons to be optimistic about that. When I go to, to the Rother Valley or when I'm in Peniston and Stocksbridge, you know, there, there is a lot of buyer's remorse from people who lent their vote to the Tories in 2019 and are now actively considering supporting Labour again in the future. But we can't be remotely complacent about all of that. I think what we will need to bring forward and Lisa Nandy and is in the process of developing that it, it is a counter offer. So the government talk about levelling up. Now I, I personally think that levelling up has largely been about smoke and mirrors. Less money has been available since we've had this kind of concept of levelling up than was the case under the previous funding arrangements. But I think there is still a challenge for Labour to sort of demonstrate that actually people can now place their faith and trust in us. 2019 was a massively difficult electoral experience for us. And of course, in the near future, there will be an absolutely crucial election in, in Wakefield. So that by-election has to be the moment where we demonstrate that the public are looking at us, that they are confident, again, that they can place their faith in tr- trust in us, that they think that we've changed and that we're in a much better place than we were in, in, in 2019. And I think if we can win comfortably in Wakefield, which that, that we're on course to do then set alongside a you know a program of investment for the north of England then I think that gives us uh, a very good opportunity to actually not only regain the seats that we lost in 2019 but actually win some of the seats that we didn't have in 2019. So whilst I don't underestimate the difficulty of doing that um, I, I think that, that we are in a much much better place than we've been over the past few years And I am cautiously optimistic about the progress that I think that we can make as we move towards the next general election.
0: Is winning Wakefield crucial to the future of this iteration of the Labour Party? Obviously concurrently we've got going on know, the investigation, the police investigation into Sir Keir Starmer, certainly in the last few days, that's a story that's really ramped onto the front pages in quite a major, major way. Are you concerned about... Cut through that that may have with local communities. So are you concerned about the impact that it may have on Wakefield? And if Labour doesn't win this by election, what what happens then? Because there is there are all sorts of hopes being pinned on it from both from both of both sides.
1: I mean, I've knocked on a lot of doors already in Wakefield. I mean, it, it, it neighbours my own seat, so so I know I know it. I know it very well. And yes, of course, we've we've got to win the Wakefield by-election and you know I know a bit about by-elections. I was elected in a by-election I spent a lot of time in, in, in battle in Spain. There are no shortcuts, you've got, to, you've got to put the hard work in, you've got to knock on the doors, you've got to have the conversations and you've got to demonstrate to people at a local level that they can trust your candidate to be an outstanding champion in Parliament. Wakefield have been very badly let down by the person that they elected as a Conservative MP. Uh, uh, and they deserve a true champion and that is what we've got to give them and if we offer them a true champion uh, and if we put in the work I'm confident that we can win well in Wakefield and clearly we need to do that and then that provides a basis for for, for going on uh, and actually making sure that we win in all those other places across the north but I think a really important part of that is being able to demonstrate that we are a party for the whole of the country I think you know sometimes people do still look at the Labour Party and think that we are London-centric, it's up to to me and to all of us who have the great privilege of representing the Labour Party in the north of England to be out there talking about the basis of what our offer is going to be and and evidencing our commitment uh, to our our communities and demonstrating that we're the people who've got the answers to the big challenges that, that people face and I think if we can join that up and tell it as a really big, bold, exciting story then I am confident that we can win back in a big way across the north of England.
0: And one final question then, if you were, not necessarily to make a pitch, if you were to say one thing to the people you previously represented in South Yorkshire, but then similarly to the people you still represent in Barnsley Central, you've always been known as Mayor of South Yorkshire and MP for Barnsley Central. You've obviously now lost one of those, one of those titles isn't anymore. Do you feel like you need to reframe yourself? What is Dan Jarvis now and how will you be representing him going
1: forward? Well, in, in my mind, I've always been the MP for Barnsley Central and, and, and the Mayor of South Yorkshire and it, it, it was a very, very proud moment for me four years ago as part of the account um, uh, for the Mayor election when the returns came in from the borough of Barnsley and the number of first vote preferences for me in that Mayor election were incredibly high so it was averaging around 70% first preferences coming out of Barnsley for, for me to be the mayor. That, that was a pretty proud and uh, humbling moment. Um, and I think you know, people have always known that in in the end, under very unusual and exceptional circumstances, and in good faith and for the right reasons, I stepped forward to take on a big responsibility um, because I thought it was the right thing to do. Um, and, and and I think, and I hope that, that people... I've seen that I've been able to make a difference, that I've been able to move off our our region forward. I mean let's not forget where we were in 2018. We didn't have an agreement, there wasn't an agreement amongst the local authorities about about how we should proceed. National government looked at our region as an area that couldn't get its act together. Now we've got hundreds of millions of pounds of investment, we've got all sorts of policies and plans, there are many things that we've done around the ownership hub, around the work that we've done around flooding, the investment that's gone into active travel, the, the plans for net zero, that um, have transformed the landscape despite all of the challenges. So I, I hope that people have seen that I've given it 110%. I hope they've also seen that I've not neglected my home turf because I think there's always a bit of a risk with these Merrill arrangements that resource gets sucked into the bright lights of the big city, the core city. P- people used to say to me, my political opponents used to say to me a few years ago, It it was a conflict of interest. You couldn't possibly do the two. I was always respectful and mindful of that view. They've gone a bit quiet about it, though. No one has ever said that I've kind of, you know, favoured one part of South Yorkshire over another. It's a bit like being a parent. I've got three kids. You know, I I treat all my kids. I'm not for a moment quoting uh, the local authorities with with my children. But the point I'm trying to make is, in a leadership role, you have to be grown up, and you have to be sensible, and you have to be even-handed. And, and the fact that nobody's ever criticized me in recent times for you know pouring all the money into Barnsley is it's because I have I've, I've taken a sensible grown-up approach because I'm, I you know I believe in, in, in this notion of rising tides lift all boats mm-hmm. and actually we have seen very significant progress in South Yorkshire and that's good for the wider region we've seen a much more collegiate approach I mean it's no great secret that four or five years ago there wasn't a great relationship between the individual local authorities now, they're working very closely together in the Mayor Combined Authority. I, I know that that is not going to leave the news, and I know that I'm not going to be sort of necessarily kind of eternally thanked for doing it, but that is transformative. And that has enabled not only the election of a successor mayor in South Yorkshire, it enabled the election of a mayor in West Yorkshire. There wouldn't be a mayor in West Yorkshire today if we hadn't sorted out the deal in, in, in South Yorkshire. So all of these things are things that I look back on With, with frankly, with with real pride, but that's in the past now. Let's look to the future and let's look at what we can do to support my constituents, support Labour Party nationally, and actually drive forward the transformative agenda. Because I just want to say one other thing, if if you'll allow me, we 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 don't do strategy in this country. Uh, And you mentioned the the Leveling Up White Paper that I was broadly welcoming of. I, I was. Because one of my great concerns about government nationally, and this is not necessarily something I just peg on this current government, because lots of other governments have been responsible uh, for pursuing a similar policy, we don't we don't think about these things over the medium or, or, or the longer term um, time frame. And and if you're serious about driving transformational change in the north of England, if you want to uh, unlock the potential of, of Yorkshire, if you want to level up the country, you need the basis of a plan to do so. Ahead of you coming in this morning, I was looking at the work that went into levelling up, if you like, East Germany, following the reunification, uh, the the fall of the the, the Berlin Wall. So over the period of the fall of the Berlin Wall, an estimated two trillion was spent on a reunification project between 1990 and 2014. That equates to £71 billion every single year. By comparison, the levelling up fund is £4.8 in its entirety. Now, East Germany has still not quite fully closed the gap with the former West Germany, but its GDP is higher per capita than in Yorkshire and Humber. If you want to level up Yorkshire and Humber and the north of England, you need transformative levels of resource. And whilst I welcome the fact that the government published Leveling up white paper, that is a helpful step in the right direction. You know, you can't be strategic and you can't have a proper plan unless you've invested the resources needed to do it. And I do also come back to the point that the Chancellor of the Exchequer is a Yorkshire MP. And what is it that Rishi Sunak can actually point to to say that as the chance that supremely influential and important role, and Tom Richmond and I used to talk about this a lot, what is it that the government can point to? to evidence the transformative investment that they've invested into the levelling up project. We got into a situation where Rishi Sunak's own parliamentary constituency, which I hold in the highest regard, I know it because I was based at Catterick Garrison for a while, it had a higher priority for levelling up funds than the Barnsley Central constituency. <laughs> how is that fair? How, how, how is that strategic? So whilst I welcome the, the, uh, you know, the, the, the debate around levelling up, if we're serious about it, let, let's let's look at the kind of sort of transformative level of investment and the political will that was invested in following the, the breakdown, uh, or the fall down of, of the Berlin Wall. And, and let's be serious about unlocking the potential uh, of our region. Because the, the greatest, all the challenges we have, COVID, we've now got you know an ongoing war in, in Ukraine. The biggest tragedy in my political life is the complete inability of successive governments to unleash the massive potential of Yorkshire and Humber. It is a sleeping giant. We've got a population larger than Scotland, but we just don't have the the political authority or or resources invested in in us to unlock potential. Uh, And that is not a parochial point because our country will only be truly successful if Yorkshire and Humber is successful as well. So let's get on, let's level up, if that's what we're going to call it, and let's unlock that resource and let's make a transformative difference the lives of the people I am so proud to represent.
0: Now,
1: thank you very much. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Podzone Country. If you have any topics you think we should be covering or any stories you think that we should be digging into, please get in touch with me over email on caitlyn.doherty at jpress.co.uk. I'll speak to you next week.